Being handicapped or disabled can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio for this road trip is Cam Bodwain. Uh, using his experience in sales, software development, and technical consulting, Cam brings a unique perspective on how teams can tackle digital accessibility within their organization. Many appreciate his hands-on knowledge of planning, executing, and delivering accessible solutions with practical real-world examples. Yes, simple techniques do exist to help teams simplify accessibility backlogs, gain empathy, and integrate sustainability, sustainable workflows. Cam's down-to-earth style engages groups from the moment he meets them and leaves them with a cool confidence in their ability to handle the ambiguous world of digital accessibility. Audiences often appreciate that he can speak the same language as their technical teams or business leads. Hi, Cam. Scott, how's it going today? Not too shabby. Hey, I'm in central Wisconsin, and we are actually looking at cracking 50 and seeing some snow melt. Yay. Oh, my God. Us too. Yeah. Up here. I'm up I, in Toronto, but we don't call it yeah. 50. We call it, we call it you know, eight degrees. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's Celsius. right. <laughs> yeah. I got to get this stuff out of here because I, uh, I, I coach a state select uh, soccer team, and we're supposed to start training in less than two weeks. So oh, I'm yeah, hoping. Yeah. A soccer ball versus a snowball. There's a bit of a difference. A little bit, a little bit. Hey, on March 17, uh, you hosted an online seminar titled Ad, uh, Activism and Advocacy Progress Enables Collaboration with Dylan Rafferty. Um, I dropped in and found you included a sign language interpreter and went, oh, of course, he's going to do that. Uh, so tell me about how to go. That was so great. You know what? There's such a difference, right, between advocacy and uh uh, activism. You know, when, when I think about activism, it's, it's let me get up on this, on the soapbox and let me shout and let me really try and, 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 you know, push people into it and into a change of mind. Whereas advocacy, I see much more as, as let's all get together and change the world. So I I think it's a much better way of, of pushing something forward and especially around the ideas of disability inclusion. And, you know, in this world of, of, of tech, we, we tend to put a lot of effort into, you know, how do I make my website accessible and how do mm-hmm. I do this? And there are so many more things and so many more ways that we can push uh, disability inclusion forward. And it can be something as simple as, you know, did we add a policy to accommodations in our, you know, in our organization that we work for? Or have I, you know, influenced uh, uh, people in my community as well to help out people with disabilities. You know, there's so many avenues and we tend to take this really hard-nosed approach, whereas to me, it's more, it's all about the collaboration. There should be more simplicity on it. But uh, as I read about you, it seems like that's the route that you're taking. Um, Talk about simplicity and and spurring things on. This is what got me to contact you is we're both on LinkedIn and we tend to cross paths quite a bit. We have a, a lot of the same people that are within our groups. And God, I don't know how long ago it was, but it popped up. I call it the gap kid. Yeah. And the, the, there's going to be a, uh, a link to our, the photo of this folks is going to be on the life's a road trip website. So you can see it, but, uh, here's, here's how the post read. And this is what grabbed me, uh, well, aside from the photograph, uh, mom, dad, he looks like me. Imagine never seeing someone who looks like you ever 
Admittedly, I've never felt that before, but I do know people who showed shared stories like this. I don't know how much I don't know much about Gap Inc., their hiring practices or the company towards people with disabilities. What I do know just from seeing that is someone in the marketing department somewhere decided to hire a photographer to take a fo- photograph of a boy wearing prosthetic legs while wearing Gap Kids clothing. And I think it's pretty cool. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, representation really does matter. And I and I think that that's where there are so many gaps in, in our society. I think that a lot of parents out there don't know how to speak about people with disabilities. A lot of educators, uh, grade school, high school teachers don't know how to talk about disabilities. I think a lot of HR departments out there don't know how to speak about disabilities, mm. even internally within the organizations that they work for, which is kind of unfortunate because man, especially invisible disabilities, we just don't know. We just don't know who's next to us. We don't know who is, uh, who, who's sitting next to us in class or sitting next to us <laughs> or virtually next to us at work either. And I think that this whole idea of, of well, so, so that actually I took that picture myself at a Did mall. Did you really? Just, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just took a picture. Uh, I, I saw it, you know, uh, in the front of Gap and I said, you know, that's a cool picture. I said this, and you know, if you imagine a, a retail store, uh, they've got, you know, doors in the middle of their storefront, right? And they've got two large bay areas where they've just they're displaying clothing or what have you. Mm-hmm. And this picture occupied an entire bay, like front. So half the store before you wow. walk in, you're seeing this image of this kid. And I'm wow. like, that's pretty cool. Cause what's gonna happen there is there's gonna be people who walk by who have a child with a disability, who have a child who has uh, who's amputee, and they're gonna see that picture and say, Hey, that's cool. You know, you know, yeah. or people on the other side who have never seen that before, who aren't exposed to people with disabilities are going to see that as well. And they're going to say, what's that? And I think mm-hmm. that question of what's that is, is really what's missing. It's, um, uh, I, I've had friends who've said, you know, even as far back as the most read book in the world, the Bible, the Bible says that people with disabilities should be, you know, thrown rocks at them because they, they do not, they do not uh, deserve. And if that's the idea, if that's where we're starting from, we've got a lot of work to do, right? We've oh, got yeah. a lot of work to do to bring that to oh, the yeah. forefront. So whenever I see these types of this type of media, these types of imagery, it's like that's something to be celebrated. And yeah, the, it, what's interesting is in those comments, I saw people who said Gap doesn't do enough or these other companies don't do enough. But I'm like- It's something. It's something. It's something more than it was yesterday, the day before. So I thought it was pretty cool. No. Well, that thing has over, last check, it was, it was over 13,000 comments and, you know, thumbs up and claps and everything on just on LinkedIn. And I have to tell you, Cam, that seeing that was what totally changed my direction for this show Mm. because it made me think, I don't want to be doing this just to present information to different people that happen to have disabilities. Damn it. I want to get in to, uh, taking the disability drive forward that mm-hmm. I found the disability community to be quiet and I want to stir it up. And that's why I'm digging into and, and contacting and, and having guests on the show like you that did that. So that photograph did a lot for me. And I have to thank you for that's taking so cool. that and posting it and because it, it's spurring me on it. It's getting the rah-rah on me. Um, now, I also read something about you, and I thought this was pretty interesting. As I dig into my guests, I like to find little kernels and see where they go and find threads. And And uh, I heard an interview with you. You were talking about your startup, and you were working with a little company called IBM. Um, little company. It, so yeah, just a little. <laughs> no one's ever heard so, of them. Don't worry. We can say what we want about them. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not going to come back at us. Uh, so what if that was your base, 
you know, what did you go into IBM with? What credentials and what was your experience going into IBM? And what did you carry out from IBM? And, and we're not talking about physical things that you stole in your briefcase. So <laughs> I still got that thumb drive. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> IBM uh, brought me on as a junior developer. Uh, I'd actually only had seven months experience as a front-end developer at the time. And yet I did something in that interview. And here's to anyone who's listening who wants to get into tech. You know, the people who are interviewing you, they want to hear honesty. And yeah. I went in there uh, and I think I said, I don't know, to about 50% of the questions that were asked for the technical interview. And I went up and said like, hey, I, you know, I don't know the answers, but what happened the next day is I emailed the answer to every single question I could remember that I didn't know the answer to. And I okay, emailed cool. it to the hiring manager and I said, Hey, here's the answer. So I do know how to Google. And that got me the job, <laughs> but I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that, um, they were looking for somebody who could help out with the technical parts of accessibility. And there was a backlog of about 3000 issues that was just sitting in a, in a queue somewhere waiting to be fixed. So, I uh, I was told, hey, we're waiting six weeks for login, so we want you to learn everything you can about accessibility. Here's something called the, the WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Go learn it, and you're going to be the guy. I loved it. I thought it was so cool because we always try and differentiate ourselves at, at organizations we work at. You know, How do we become essential? Yeah. How do we become uh, Im important to the team? And that was my thing. And in Canada here, we have something called AOTA, Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, which stipulates that if you do business in the province of Ontario, you must be accessible. And that a lot of companies that are regulated, so insurance and banking and tele, uh, transportation, telecommunications, they were all scrambling to become accessible by 2021. So what ended up happening was you never get fired for hiring IBM. So I started to get pulled into <laughs> these projects of, dis, of of accessibility and, hey, how would you fix this? How would you do this? And there I was as a developer, right? And I, you know, I'd wear my hoodie <laughs> into meetings where yeah. everyone else was stakeholders at banks and they're all wearing three-piece suits. Yeah. And I was told, <laughs> I was told, Cam, I think you need to go get a jacket. So uh, I did. And, and it got me invited to more conversations, these really high-level conversations. And by the way, I, I fixed that, um, that backlog of 3,000 issues. And to switch gears a little bit here, I'd never actually met somebody who is on the other side of those fixes. So I'd never met anyone who had any kind of vision impairment, never met anyone who, had, uh, who was deaf or hard of hearing. And there was a traveling uh, accessibility coach who was at IBM, and he would go around to all the offices, and he was blind himself. And it was funny because my boss at the time, he was like that ex sales guy you ever met someone like that who's like you know popped collar walks around like oh, everything's yeah. gonna be a deal right oh he yeah. walks up to to my friend tom and, and he says hey tom my name's jim and he sticks his hand in his face and if you've ever met someone who's blind they're not gonna know there's a hand <laughs> they're not gonna know in the face. And, and, and my boss who is like staring him down saying you know like who's gonna flinch first because my hand's out and your hand's not there Okay. I, I died of embarrassment. I ran back to YouTube. I typed in how to shake a blind person's hand and uh, learned that yeah. really okay. all you need to do is just say, can I shake your hand? Right. That little cue yeah. is enough to demonstrate that, you know, he stuck his hand out and I shook his hand. And that was what kind of led everything. It's like, it's not about the tech. It's about people. How can I start to talk about people in every conversation about disability inclusion? I can have every single conversation about accessibility has got to be surrounded around people. So that's where I got started speaking. And I left, I left IBM 
talk uh, as a, as a much more of like a coach and speaker and consultant than a technical developer. So that's what I took away from IBM. So you came into this and you got involved because you don't mind rolling up your sleeves. You want to go solve problems. So we yeah. got that. You, you're a problem solver. Yeah. They put you in the right place or you landed in the right place. And you just grabbed that, those reins and you just went with it. Yeah. But then by meeting, for example, a blind person and finding out more about it, was that a pivot point in the direction of you were going to, how, where you were going to go with this next? I mean, not a specific pivot point, but it sounds like within, while you're at IBM, you came up with uh, an idea for where you are, actually are now. Yeah, absolutely. And when I started going out and started talking about accessibility to all these different little teams, I started getting invited to, to more conversations uh, inside IBM. So absolutely a turning point. It's funny because we don't realize those turning points are happening when you're in the middle of it. Right. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden when everyone starts to call you for that same reason, say, we really need your help doing this. I think, I think that we can, we have to make decisions at those points. Like, do I want to keep that conversation kind of where it is now? And I could have continued talking about technical aspects or like, this is how you add labels to buttons. And I still do have those conversations. But there was a very conscious decision with intent at some point, you know, when I started speaking for IBM at conferences like CSUN, uh, which is the big accessibility conference in California, I started being really, you know, intentful and saying, you know, where can this conversation go? How far can we, can we start to educate more people earlier on about accessibility? And that was, that was where the real conversation started to happen. Hmm. Well, it just blows me away with the more I talk with guests, the more it seems like there's commonality between everyone because they they have a drive inside of them that something happens to spur that on and it pops out of them. Um, let's talk about accessibility within Canada. Funny money. Tell us about it. We've got, I think, 85% of our listeners in the United States are going to have no idea what you're talking about. The bro- but when you're done with this, they're all going to say, why the hell don't we do that? So right? go ahead. Tell us about the Canadian uh, dollars. Yeah. Back in 20, in 2000 or 2001, the uh, Bank of Canada decided we're going to put Braille-like features on our, on our money, on our cash. And so people with sight loss can actually identify their bills through a tactile method. So usually in my talks, what I do is I'll actually hold up a Canadian bill and I'll say, you know, where did you know that our, our bills have tactile features? Because of what I heard is that many people with, with vision loss or, you know, who are blind in the US have to fold their bills in a certain way and tuck it into their wallets like that so mm-hmm. they can identify it later. And all the Bank of Canada needed to do was change the plates. Now, mind you, it costs money to change those plates, right? Like, sure. not, you know, and this parallels the large organizations who are like, well, we don't want to make change. It costs too much money and all this kind of stuff. And all they need to do is change the plates in their printing process to say, we want to add these dots on here. And all of a sudden, now all bills in Canada for the past 23 years are accessible. And what is more accessible than our money? And this is, I, I bring this into yeah. conversations with large, you know, banking or financial institutions too. I mean, how frustrating would it be to get paid and you don't even know how much money's in your bank account? Right. And that's yeah, the really. reality. That's the reality of what it is if you don't make your technology usable by people with any ability. And so I, I bring a lot of parallels into to what I talk about. But that is something that, you know, what strikes deeper than, you know, 
do you even know what how much money's in your wallet right like what what is what is more yeah. fundamental to to everything than that do you can you pay for it do you know how much money you have and if you didn't man how frustrating would that be yeah when i when i came across that it, it just duh it makes sense so why right. not but i do understand you asked oh it costs money well come on let's let's get things done right so we can yeah. move forward Another thing I came across when I was researching you, and and sometimes I get into a guest and and I'm not I, I I'm starting to look at them, but something I stumble over carries me over in another direction, and and through you I came up with global accessibility well eh, global accessibility awareness day, which is coming up on May 18th, and then I came across um, some statistics, and uh, I'll mention this for folks and let you talk about it, Cam. Um, according to this group, uh, causes for most, most common accessibility failures, which are percentages, homepages there, I'll, I'll list a few of them. Low contrast text, which is 86.3% missing image, alt text, empty links. Now those are statistics, but what all of them come together with is 98.1% of all homepages with at least one of these six. Uh, that are a failure and 60.9 is the average number of errors per homepage. Okay. It, you know, for most people, we don't notice that, but mm -hmm. you're talking about accessibility for disabled and, and other people. So go into it, will you please? Yeah, sure. And what I think is the most important thing to, to, to remember here is that these are really easy issues to fix. These are really, really simple things to correct. And we're not talking about rewriting entire pages or there's another one that's uh, uh, you know, reflow, which which says that you can expand or reduce the size of a browser window or, you know, mobile device, whatever, and, and it'll match up with that. Those are hard to those are hard to fix. Those are like redesigns okay. and rebuild in some in yeah. some situations. But the most common issues on most websites are fixable, you know, in an afternoon. Right, and that's that's where most of these problems lie. So, uh, non-text contrast. So, there's not enough contrast between the text on the screen and, and the background behind it. And you see this all the time, right? Mm. If everyone, if anyone listening has ever been driving, you see a billboard on the side of the road, and they've got like you know dark red on a black background, and you're like, yes, what? <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> who's the mar Who's the marketer that approved <laughs> that? Like, you know, we're driving at you know 60 miles an hour. You got three seconds to convince someone, and you can't even read the text on the billboard. It's like. Uh -huh. Come on. Okay. That's non-text contrast. And it's it's fixable really easily on a website. Uh, empty links, links that uh, that don't describe where they're going. Click here, click here, you know, uh, things like that. If you have more than one click here, you know, you should be describing where the link goes. Mm -hmm. um, buttons as well that, that aren't labeled properly. Images of buttons are another big one too. You know, you have a submit button and you took a graphic of the button submit and you paste it on there. It doesn't happen too much anymore, but, you know, these, these website crawlers prove but a lot of big companies out there, they're not updating their websites nearly as much as we think they do, right? So mm. they've still got legacy code back from, who knows, the 2000s, where they've got some images of buttons and things like this, which are really just old, old pieces of data, which just need to be updated. And, and you know, putting proper text on the submit button. I, I want to know if I'm going to transfer my money to 
you know, going back to a banking example, if a lab- if a button's not labeled properly, I want to know if I'm transferring my money to yeah, you know, the government or or yeah. my friend. <laughs> you know, if I need yeah. to do an e transfer, yeah. something like that. So these are the really common easy issues that can be fixed by a multitude of uh, of tools as well. There's free tools out there just to scan your site to figure out is this is this usable is this even usable by someone who's using assistive technology. Okay. Well, talking about simplicity, we're going to take a two-second break here in case someone wants to drop an ad in. Okay. Uh, let's get into something that definitely comes about with you. And it's um, a cap you tend to wear, and you're wearing it right now. We're, we're just doing audio, folks, but uh, Cam's wearing it right now. It's it has an, it's A, the number 11, Y on it. That's a, a numeronym, like 911 is for help and 24-7, work 24-7. Um, what is that? Could you define us what that is, please? Yeah, A11Y stands for accessibility. We use it pretty often in the world of development. To everyone's trying to short form everything. Another one is mm. internationalization. I18N is the other one that's used quite frequently in the world of development. But so I try and bring it around like this because it fits really nicely on swag, <laughs> on a hat and stuff <laughs> like that. Even behind me, for viewers, I've got my podcast studio here as well. I've got hashtag A11Y pro tips or accessibility pro tips because okay. this is really what uh, what it's all about. Accessibility is a long word. You know, you got two C's, two S's in there. It's hard to, hard to spell. Okay. A lot of people trip up on it. So A11Y is a really easy way to, uh, uh, to talk about it. Now, okay. a screen reader will actually read it as A11Y. So now we understand that that's accessibility, but it's a great conversation starter. It's a great yeah. way to, to enter a conversation. I wear it to conferences and people now know me by this by this hat. So in fact, if I want to go invisible, I just take the hat off. And that's probably the easiest <laughs> way to get it. Because you're not wearing the hat. Well, it had me going into Google. I went and I went and Googled, what the heck is that? Oh, okay. I mean, if it, if it were only 10 letters, it'd be a super lingo word on the, on, on the game show. Yeah. Um, but hey, can, can I just yeah. say, say yeah. you, know, you said, what the heck is that? Right? And isn't that what we're, what we're trying to do here? In exactly. Our right? Let's create some curiosity. Right? Yes. Cre- yeah. Yeah. Let's create curiosity in the people who don't deal with accessibility day in, day out. There's tons of, you know, marketers out there, events, people who just, the only time they ever hear it is when someone complains about, you know, I can't read your post. I can't read your, you know, I'm at one of your events and there's no captioning for me. Like, man, if we could just start to have that curiosity, have people be like, mm-hmm. what, is, what is A11Y? Like, what is this thing that everyone's talking about? Then that's going to start conversations that'll move this all forward. It's got to start someplace. Yeah. And within the dis- disabled community, it has to start someplace. Let's talk about accessi- uh, accelerated accessibility. And I'm going to open your website to uh, accelerated accessibility. At the top there, you are speaking with the hat. But I want to read something that really, I, I think it tells a lot about you, Cam. It says, stop the accessibility guesswork. Are you struggling to create an inclusive and accessible environment for both your users and your business, still trying to figure out accessibility without a plan, we make disability inclusion easier, faster, less stressful, and even fun. With our clear roadmap to inclusion success, you'll not only transform your business, but you'll also delight your users along the way. Boom, plain and simple. Now, go ahead and talk. tell us about your business. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your business, and then approach me as if I'm a business owner, or if I'm in one of your uh, seminars. Sure. But tell tell me about it first. So so a lot of companies out there they're doing this ad hoc trial and error accessibility 
you know, way of doing it. I, I've been doing now program management for accessibility for almost eight years now. Wow. Uh, ever since that, IBM started pulling me out and asking me to go talk to VPs. And what I've found is that when people start this conversation, they're they're floundering and they spend a ton of money. They spend a ton of money. You know, do, do we do an audit first? There's a company out there who wants to charge me ten thousand dollars a month. Like, do I do I call someone offshore? Do I do I just hire a person with a mm-hmm. disability and that makes me check a box? Like, people don't know where to start. And I know we've been having a lot of talk around the technical aspects here, but sometimes it's not your website. Going back to those events companies that I work with, they will use one template for every single event, change the colors, but it's generally the same template. You know, okay. you, got, you got an event. Yeah. It's just, it's, you just need to put information up on there. Maybe procurement is the best place to start because when, you know, you got a leaky faucet for stuff that's not accessible, um, it's stop mopping up the floor and just just fix the procurement process. And then all of a sudden you're going to bring in other organizations to your team or, or to help. And they're going to, you know, pay attention to accessibility from the get go. So that's really where I, where I fit in there. So I have done for you accessibility roadmaps for organizations who are just, you know, they, they want to, they know it's important and they want to stop the guesswork. So uh, of course I also do talks and, and I, I do a lot of public speaking as well on the same topic and um, um, workshops as well. So that's what the business is, is around, but I'm going to add just one more thing there too, because there's also the other side, which is, which is uh, influential advocacy, which is kind of what we're talking about here, right? How do we start to have these conversations in a yeah. meaningful and lasting way? So a lot of people in our industry are frustrated that they can't communicate accessibility properly. So I try and shake that up a bit too. Well, all right. So I'm in the seminar or or I bring you in and I'm sitting across a, a big table with you and I'm, I'm the head honcho and I'm the one that is aware now that, okay, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for me? Well, first I got to know what the problem is. So do you want to role play a little bit or True. is that too deep? Do you want to? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think I think what we're, we're stuck with in our, our industry is that we're not asking enough questions because I don't know what mm-hmm. the problem even is before when I walk in. So there's a lot of fact finding that I do first. Okay. So it's got to be, you know, what do your employees say about you? You know, what kind of, what's your accommodation policy look like? Have you ever, do you have an, ex, an accessibility statement on your website? You know, where do you, where do you procure services from? Who are your developers? Well, this is really broad. Digging into a lot of those questions. That's when you start to open the eyes of the people in front of you. And they're saying, I don't know. I've never thought of that before. You know, what do I do next? And then it's through that, that I will start to really break down, uh, you know, what the recommendation is for the next steps. So we start to bring in people. And I, I when I, when I got it, get into these calls, I said, you'd better have your, you know, your head HR guy on, <laughs> On, on speed dial so we can start to have that conversation with them too if we need it. Going deep, going really deep into getting this roadmap outlines a path for the next six to 18 months. And that's what I really want people to realize is that they want to come out of a conversation with me with really clear steps on this is what I got to do next. This is what I have to be doing in three months. I don't need to worry about this other part for the next 18 months because you know, there's not, there's a lot of companies out there who are doing a refresh of their website, right? And they're saying, yeah. I don't want to tackle my website for another six months. I say, okay, well, just be ready. Be ready. If ever you are in a situation where somebody comes and dare I say, sues you, mm-hmm. you better be ready with, with the reason uh, why it's not done yet. So that's where I sit. That's where I sit in the, in those types of conversations as the advisor, as the consultant, as the person outlining their next 10 steps. So I'm thinking here as I am listening to you, Cam, and, and I wonder, are you getting people that are approaching you or are you 
perusing through companies and noticing that they have a problem and then you're approaching them? Which way does it go? Both. Okay. Definitely both. A lot. I get a lot of inbound, a lot, a lot about speaking inbound. And then the outbound stuff is all me literally picking up the phone and saying, hey, I was on your website. And by the way, it's a terrible experience. Can we have a conversation? And when you're when you approach, and I think you know, you talked about shaking up the disability community. When you approach with confidence, when you approach an mm. organization with a solution as well, the reception is a lot different than you guys suck and here's all the problems yeah. and then you walk away. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we all have that experience. Right? When someone comes and says, Hey, uh, I, I I heard, you know, you got a flat tire. Let me help you is a lot different than you know, something wrong with your car and then someone <laughs> driving away. You know, it's it's just a lot, a lot different. So I would encourage anyone who is struggling in with with trying to figure out how to approach companies, go at them with with an with an open idea and say, you know, here's a solution that I have for you. I would love to talk to you about it. That's going to open a lot more doors than just sending off an angry email. And it works. It works. I've been called back by companies that I've given, you know, quick tips on. Um, got a shout out. Can I can I give a shout out here to it? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Calendly, the uh, the calendar picking app. Okay. I've been back and forth with them a bunch of times, just saying, hey, you know, I found this bug. Here's a quick fix on how to do it. Or here's some information. I don't tell them the code. Here's a website on how to fix that. And then within days, they're like, thanks so much. We fixed it. If you want to go check, take a look. So that, I'm sorry, but that's surprising to me that a company actually gives a rip. Mm -hmm. uh, that must make you very happy. And But how many times, Cam, well, I shouldn't say specifically, but how often is it in general? Do you run in and just bash your head against the wall because someone turns you down because they say, it costs too much. I, I would assume. Do you run into that all the time? Daily, daily. Yeah. But that's what that's kind of that's kind of what advocacy is, though. I True. don't. Th I, and I think that there's a parallel here. If you're an advocate, you're also in sales. And oh, sh sh dare I say we're in sales, right? Like that's that's a huge, <laughs> you know, no, no. I'm not in sales, right? But isn't that what we're doing? We're trying to convince people to think differently, to own you know, responsibility. And this happens in our day-to-day -day lives with our, you know, kids or our, <laughs> I'm trying to convince, you know, my son, True. please <laughs> sit down and eat. Well, I want to do other things instead. Persuasion is part of life. And I think anyone who's in a, an advocacy role, whether you admit it or not, if you want to try and change someone's mind, approaching it with, uh, with your two, you know, two fists raised and ready to fight, mm -hmm. you know, you are immediately going to encounter resistance right away, but mm -hmm. you got to kind of treat everything as it's not a no forever. It's just a no for now. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what's going to happen in a couple months, leadership changes, uh, pressure from the, uh, uh, from, from the industry, they get a lawsuit or, you know, government regulation comes down. I, I know uh, to American audiences, that's, you know, get out government, but uh, yeah. that, well, that, no, that's, no, no, it happens all the time. That, right. 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 God. Yeah. And, but then, then all of a sudden someone, something shifts or, or they see the benefit of it. Right. And I lead, that's why I don't lead with always, it's the right thing to do. I lead with, Hey, do you want access to an $8 trillion market? That's a good point. Do you, do you and want your, yeah. Yeah. That is what I am finding as I'm getting deeper into this, that needs to be used totally uh, so much more and no one's looking at it, but that's what made me think when I saw the, the gap kid. Right. Right. Man, there, there's money in it. Well, that's who they realize. Gap realizes. When you, you sit know? across from a VP of product, right? For an organization mm -hmm. with 9,000 employees, they, their bread is, is, is one off this product here. 
getting the subscribers to pay a hundred bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. You got a company like that in front of you. If you start going in there and saying, this is the right thing to do. It's super important. Um, you know, you're only going to get so far because you're not speaking their language. But then you go okay. in there and say, man, don't you want your product to be the most usable product out there? Let me let me show you that one in seven people here are not able to use your product. In fact, you have 9,000 employees here and one in seven of them, you may not even know that the person next to you is dyslexic. And then that person themselves admits, so yeah, I've got ADHD and, and uh, I'd love to talk to you more about this. That is a winning way to talk and move this industry forward. That is the way that we need to start. Like we need to speak the language of the people who are in front of us. But it it, it is only going to come with a revolution. I I'm been one to uh, be speaking up the LGBTQ plus community on follow yep. their follow what they did because yep. hell that's follow out what they there. Did. Yep. Yeah, movies, television. I mean, we see it commercials all over the place. You've got mixed marriages for just for example. You have males kissing males. You, you know we're not seeing enough in the disability community and damn it. That's what gap is doing. And, and, exactly. And we've yep. got to f- keep following up and I'm going to start searching for people. Like maybe I should try to find somebody that made that decision at gap. Maybe that'd be a guest down the road about. Yeah. About I've, stuff. I've looked for them too as well. If you find it, you know, yeah, just give them a thumbs cool. up for me. I'd appreciate that. Like it's that'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and different, um, different countries actually handle a bit differently in the UK. They're having, people from um, uh, people with disabilities, like join game shows and stuff like that, or representation. I, know, I've noticed that there's Jeopardy a, uh, a show. There's someone in a wheelchair on Jeopardy. Yeah. I don't even know. Is the stage is the stage accessible? I don't even know. I I, I don't remember. I sent in a video to a, a show that might be defunct now. I can't remember the name of it. But my wife and I filmed the video and I said to them, you don't have any disabled people and I'm interested in coming on your show, on their game show. Uh, never heard back from them, but I don't see them up again this year, so maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't bought. Yeah. But that needs to happen. That's a great example. Yeah. Um, so I came across a, a video of you, and you ended it with a line of "Together we can drive the disability inclusion revolution." I love that tagline, "Disability inclusion revolution." What What do you mean by that, Cam? That really is. You know, there is a recent passing of someone who is uh, very popular in the world of disability inclusion, Judy Human. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when I think of like, what is a revolution? It's, let's change the minds of many people. And it seems like there was the uh, Capitol Hill crawl in the 70s and the 80s. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't remember, but there was, let's climb the steps of Capitol Hill and let's show everyone that people with disabilities exist. And there's not much happening after that you know there has not been a large movement of people with disabilities saying you know we exist we're here we need to be listened to and i'm not saying that it has to be a you know we need to go to every large city in the world and start to to create that big movement but a revolution can be in industry a revolution can be in schools a revolution can be in your community and we can start to move this conversation forward by getting together and having real conversations like what we're having here right now. Mm-hmm. I have had people with, with invisible disabilities, you know, share deep secrets, deep emotions, deep feelings, you know, by meeting them for 15 minutes, because all of a sudden it was, we've created a safe space to talk about this. And if anyone who is mm-hmm. a business owner or leader in an organization, if you care about your team, and I know you do, like I, I, it's very rare that you meet somebody who's in a leadership role who says, I don't care about my team. Like, I, In fact, it's never happened. Maybe they're not doing it the right way, but that's a different discussion. 
if someone is listening is in that role, then you have a, 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 a it's, it's your job. It's your job to care about your team and creating those safe spaces, creating opportunities for people to share and then doing something about that as part of your job as well. And I think that's what, what this is all about. This is all about how do we start to move everyone forward, community forward, culture forward. And this is the shift. You you talked about the LGBTQ plus community and the culture shift has happened. And, and we are having real conversations mm-hmm. about that now. And it's less, um, it's, uh, we're able to have, you know, a conversation about that openly in public and that's, it's, it's okay now. It's acceptable. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I don't represent that community. I don't want to put my, uh, represent yeah, that but you're helping at all, it. but, but I have friends and, and we are able to have, you know, uh, conversations out there as well, but di- yeah. people with invisible disabilities do not. And we cannot share that we have ADHD or dyslexia or, uh, neurodiversity or, or, uh, bipolar or things like that is, it is shameful to admit that in, in workplaces or in, in schools. And that needs to change. That's the revolution. we And that's, that's what we've got to be doing. But again, um, you are helping it. So it's, it's greatly appreciated what you're doing, Cam. Thanks. So we're going to, we're going to move to this point. And it's time to uh, wrap up the show with the road trip roundup. I've got five questions for you, Cam, related to you and road trips. All right. Let's do it. One, number one, when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Fast food. What do you, where, where's your go-to? What's your Wendy's go-to? spicy chicken. Yeah. Oh, and he says that with great conviction, folks. All right. <laughs> I didn't need to say anything more than that. In your eyes. <laughs> Damn it, I'm good doing it. All right. What's your dream car for a road trip, Cam? It could be something you grew up with, something you've got now, or something that maybe you would rent to go on a road trip. Oh, man. I've never done it in an RV. I would love to try and rent an RV and, and, and do a, a total North America trip. I, that's the dream. I have to tell you, I think we're getting, we're at least in the 40% range of my guests that have mentioned RV. Oh yeah. That's, that's really wild. I'm surprised. That's cool. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. People want to get out and adventure. How many people do sports Let's cars? Go. That's the big thing. Cause I hear those are disasters to do big road trips on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, all right. Last cassette or CD that played while you're on a road trip. Oh, geez. Um, gotcha. CD. It's going to be a mixed CD back when I was burning them, but since I've changed to uh Bluetooth, it's like yeah. know, non-existent. So it's yeah, some so mixed easy. CD for sure. Uh, oh, let me, let me tell you alternative rock. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I wish they would bring back CD players in cars. We actually bought one because my wife just misses the hell out of mm-hmm. CD player because she has some mixed. And we went through Amazon and ended up returning two of those things because they kept starting at track three or they'd stop. And someone, please be out there, create something that's accessible to everyone so we can play CDs, please. All right. Number four, Coke or Pepsi? Straight Coke. up. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Yeah. Coke. Boom. All right. You're an easy guy. Here's the next one. Favorite road trip memory. So I drove across Canada twice. Once when I was 10, once when I was 29, something like that. Uh, I went to Saskatchewan, but then what was cool is I drove down. My mom's in uh, New Mexico. So I went from uh, Saskatchewan, uh, which tiny listeners, right? About in the middle of our, in the country, right? Prairies. And what was neat though is driving south from there, you start to see all, uh, uh, all types of, landscapes. And so it went from plains to rolling hills to mountains, right? And when you when you hit, start hitting Montana stuff like that. And then you get the raised plains of of New Mexico and Arizona. It was just so cool. It Very was cool. just super cool to see the landscape change over a 2-day. Yeah, I did I drove 12 hours a day to get down 
from Saskatchewan to uh, <laughs> to New Mexico, Clovis, New Mexico. Uh, well, you, and, you and, had to do fast food then. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> when, when, you, when you see it, it's it pit stops or fast food. That's all you get. Yeah. But that was cool. That was really really neat seeing these uh, like every single landscape that uh, could possibly be. I like it. I like it. Hey, we're going to wrap it up right now, but stay on so we can pick each other's brains for a second. Okay. And I'm just going to sign out with ciao and chillax everybody and keep listening to life's a road trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of the show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip. 